dispensing cannabis business knowledge beyond a million square feet of cultivation space. CannabisRadio.com proudly presents Blunt Business, harvested by Strainwise Consulting. Together, we will navigate the challenges and opportunities of one of the most profitable industries on earth. Join us each episode to hear our weekly roundtables and interviews with industry professionals. Now, let's delve into some blunt business with your host, Sean Eubanks. Thank you for joining us and welcome to Blunt Business. I'm your host, Sean Eubanks, Vice President of Business Development for Strainwise Consulting. And on our show today, we have Chip Foresight, who is with Rebel Coast Winery. Chip started making wine for other people his freshman year of college in 2004. After graduating, he started his first winery, ultimately selling it in 2012, Shortly after, he launched his award-winning second winery called Rebel Coast, which is carried in 36 states and available in every major chain in California. Now he owns a motorcycle, two VW buses, and two rattlesnakes. Chip grew up in Texas, Ohio, California, and Massachusetts. Chip, welcome to the show. How's it going, man? It's a pleasure to be here. I'm doing well. Let's get the awkwardness out. Don't you think it's demeaning, Chip, to refer to your leads as rattlesnakes? I mean, I'm sure they have actual names, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, I often joke, man. I wish uh, when we're paying the bills, like we should have just been lawyers instead of winemakers. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But you have two rattlesnakes, and I know you, you have a, a partner, uh, uh, Alex, who is a co-founder as well, and uh, you guys have mentioned and on your website a couple of times about the rattlesnakes, but you actually have two live rattlesnakes. Yeah, I, uh, I, I caught them. They're babies, Jeffrey and Ruger. I caught one spearfishing in Big Sur maybe five years ago and then one hunting at uh, my buddy's ranch five years ago, and they are they just they're, they're in love, so <laughs> they just keep everyone on their toes. Excellent, excellent. Um, well, well, listen. Thanks so much for coming on the show. You've got you've got an incredible thing that you're doing here. You've got cannabis infused. This is the very first cannabis infused alcohol removed wine. Yeah, we're uh, we're really excited about it. It was kind of a no brainer for us uh, about a year ago when we started legally trying to do this. Um, I'd been making it in college. Uh, under just in the back corner of cellars at wineries and a lot of winemakers make it it's just you know for personal consumption because for years you know prohibition just ended so it's great to be able to finally get this thing out there to people yeah i mean you it 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 seems very very complicated i know you guys um uh, on your website, you sort of explain how this came about, but there was a lot of trial and error with figuring out, okay, do we want to, you know, first of all, what's legal, you know, let's stay out of prison. Uh, first of all, second of all, you know, how do you go about doing this? And you guys did a lot of trial and error, kind of walk us through that, uh, and how you got to where you are today. Yeah. Our, our first big challenge was, um, alcohol, like non-alcoholic wine, uh, does not, taste very good to begin with like everything out there on the market um, nobody no winemakers really take the process very seriously um, it's a very inexpensive product it's like uh, beer makers kind of scoffing at O'Doul's beer um, so finding uh, finding the right team to put to work on making the world's best non-alcoholic wine to start uh, was one of our biggest challenges and once we overcame that and got a really really good tasting bottle of Sauvignon Blanc. Um, the next step was to uh, infuse it with THC, which is right out of the flower. It's an oil. Um, oil and water don't mix. And um, first making THC oil water soluble, so it goes into complete um, solution and it stays, stays suspended in the wine was our first big problem. Once we solved that, um, the, a traditional edible, when you eat it, it everybody can attest to this, you, you don't feel anything for 45 minutes to an hour. And then all of a sudden, you're really stoned. Um, and that was something that we did not want to do to people because this is a wine, drinking wine, traditional wine is a very social thing to do. And you're drinking a glass every 15, 20 minutes out at dinner, having a couple glasses um, and not being able to feel any effects for 45 minutes to an hour uh, was just not the route that we wanted. That's not what we were trying to create. Um, so 
once we got the wine tasting good and we figured out how to get the THC oil into the wine, our next big step was to make it very fast acting and to find out how to make THC fast acting. We ended up partnering up with a company out of Colorado um, that they're, they're just a bunch of scientists and researchers. So they've created something that um, you feel the intoxicating effects of the THC and it depends on your weight and body type and guy and girl, but in eight, eight to 10 minutes. Um, and the high for traditional edibles, it lasts usually anywhere between six to 10 hours. You know, it depends on how long or how much you consume and how fast and all that. But uh, everybody can, att- like everyone's probably had one too many brownies at some point in their life. And it's not a pleasant experience. Like it's just, it's, it's not what we're trying to do. So the, we crafted our high, um, and it has to do with the bioavailability of the liquid soluble THC that we put into the wine. Um, we crafted it to last two to, two to three hours. So your body can process it uh, a lot faster than traditional edibles. Um, yeah, and the next step after we got that done was to make it not taste terrible uh, once the THC is added into the, the wine, um, making it not very bitter and masking the taste and aroma of the THC was our third step. And uh, it took us a year to get, get to where we are today, and now we've got a, a really, really delicious bottle of wine that uh, mimics the effects of a traditional glass of wine and the taste and uh yeah that's that's what we're putting in the bottle now it's fantastic (laughs) well and how do you get it to how do you control dosage first of all so if i'm if i'm going to have a glass of wine do i just assume that that is you know the total potency of the body bottle divided by four or how do i go about understanding yeah so um there's four glasses in a bottle of wine and on the wine bottle we have on our label we mark out when you pour it out, like you can see exactly how much uh, glass is. Um, so as you pour it out, you, you you pour it and you can stop and see that you know you're at the first glass mark, and then you can pour a second glass for your girlfriend and see that that's at the second glass mark. Um, so we, we we don't. There's a lot of apprehension around this because it's the first liquid edible that is you know a social experience. So we're, we used really low dosages of THC per glass. Um, and it's kind of a struggle on a marketing standpoint because prohibition just ended. And historically, like if we compare it to prohibition of alcohol, back in the day, the most expensive, valuable bottle of alcohol you could buy was straight moonshine. And it was just like 90 proof in a glass jar. And it was just you were buying it for the intoxicating effects of it. And that's how traditional um, the marijuana industry has been. Like you go to your your dealer and they're always like, this is the best stuff. This is the strongest. This is the craziest. Um, But now, um, after prohibition of alcohol has ended, you're looking at a bottle of Everclear is collecting dust on the bottom shelf. And you're not um, the most valuable way to procure alcohol is like a nice scotch or a really nice bottle of wine. So uh, we're we're seeing that change, and we've created something in preparation for that. So, uh, did you ever question your methodology, thinking, well, you know, because you you're taking the alcohol out of the wine first, then you're infusing cannabis back in it. Did you ever question that and think, why not just grape juice or another easier uh, product to work with? Oh, every day. <laughs> yeah, uh, we tried everything. I mean, there's. We tried everything, but it, nothing tasted good. It literally just tasted like grape juice, um, and that's it. That's not really. I'm a, I'm a winemaker. Like that's not what I want to bring to the world. So I want to bring something that people are familiar with: a bottle of wine, the flavor of a Sauvignon Blanc, and to mimic that, it, it took a lot of work and energy. Uh, but it was really fun to do too, because we're creating something. We've got a great team around us. We've got a great. Um, yeah, a bunch of a bunch of people that are experts in each one of their fields that are working together to make this happen. Well, in in the process for handling wine and and getting it to a certain point is very similar to of marijuana. Um, it's not as regulated. The okay, 
the alcohol industry is it's it's been around for at least 70 years now on a you know after prohibition and um it's not as highly regulated in the laws you know what the laws are right now like if you want to start a winery you just follow a, a packet you just follow the laws that have been in place for years and you can do it it's, it's not a there's no um, trial and error on this like what we're doing right now in the marijuana industry these laws haven't even been written yet like we have to like spend a lot of time and energy on the logistics and following the rules that we don't know what the rules are and like emergency regulations just came out like there's only 90 licensed dispensaries in california and it's past january 1st what there's like three thousand ones operating now so and everybody's trying to follow the rules but it's very hard when the rules haven't been written and uh and it goes city by city and county by county and then by the state. And then the federal government is everybody knows how their stance on this. So, yeah, on the production side, it's everything sterile and clean. Um, but the production side's not, in our opinion, for what we're doing is not the hardest part anymore now that we figured it out. Gotcha. We do need to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll be rejoined by Chip Forsyth, who is one of the founders of Rebel Coast Winery. During the break, check out their website, rebelcoast.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. Bought a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow. The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put the big celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is him pink, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. What do master growers, dispensary owners, extraction artists, and infusion chefs all have in common? They'll all be in Denver, Colorado at NCIA Seed the Sales Show, February 7th and 8th. Don't miss a chance to learn alongside 3,000 of the cannabis industry's best and brightest in three highly focused tracks about cultivation, infused products and extractions, and business strategies and innovation. Network and shop for all of your business needs across 40,000 square feet of Expo 4. Register before January 29th to save $200. NCIA Seed to Sales Show. SeedToSalesShow.com. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting edge technology, providing a power packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be the Vuber way. I hope you didn't forget about us because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back to Blunt Business. I'm your host, Sean Eubanks, Vice President of Business Development with Strainwise Consulting. And on our show today, we've been talking to Chip Forsyth, who is one of the founders of Rebel Coast Winery. Welcome back, Chip. Uh, Pleasure to be here. So explosive growth for you guys is an understatement. You've been featured on just about just about everywhere in the news. Um, I mean, everywhere from. Uh, USA Today, New York Post, Newsweek, Maxim Magazine, uh, your impressions are around 350, 700 million. Um, is, are, you ex- are you overwhelmed right now on the marketing and promotion side? <laughs> that is an understatement. Yes, we are, uh, we're, we're very, very, very busy on, honestly, just even handling customers' emails and phone calls and questions. Um, people are as curious about this as you would think. So kind of doing customer or consumer um, education on how strong it is, what it tastes like, and then they purchase the wine. Um, this is a full-time job. 
Well, and you guys are pioneers, but you're also really successful. You're in 38, 36 states currently, and you're in every major chain in California. So you already had that footprint. Now you've stepped into the cannabis space, and it just seems like you guys are ready to take over. If I'm an investor, I, I'm looking at you guys closely and, and wanting to find out how to get involved. Yeah, I mean, we're uh, we're raising our round right now, and because of all those things that you said, um, we're in a very fortunate position uh, for um, for fundraising. I went through a Silicon Valley incubator for just tech startups. My little brother went through Y Combinator for his tech startups. My dad um, runs a venture capital firm, and um, so I've been around and I've fundraised twice before before this. So I. Fundraising traditionally, founders, it's a, it's a time suck and it is, um, it's a distraction and it's really hard. Like yeah. people telling you no, that your idea is not something they, they see as a real financial investment is, is kind of a drain on you. But this position that we're in with our product and the experience that we have right now, uh, we just have to pick which investor we want and who's going to contribute more than just money. And that's not a situation... I don't think I will ever be in again in my life, and very few people are ever in this. So it's it's exciting, which is not something people ever say about fundraising. Yeah, congratulations. Was the experience in, in the incubator worth it? Did, it? did it give you the education that you needed? Changed my life, yeah. One um, one of the things that it taught me how to like really build a business, but the founder of the incubator, his name is Adam Draper. He's massively famous now because of his he made a hundred investments in Bitcoin companies starting in back in the day in like 2000 and um, 2013. Uh, he really hedged his bets on that, so he's very popular right now. But one of the things he told me that's kind of been a guiding light in what we what I've been doing for the last five years or four years is just build a brand you can live. Like if you if you build a brand that we would be faking, like if I. I'm not a very bougie guy. If I put my last name on the bottle, of, or if I called this Forsyth Family Vineyards, wrote it in cursive writing, and um, tried to be really pretentious about it, which a lot of winemakers and winery owners are, then I would be our our sales and marketing would not come as naturally and genuinely as they do for us. Um, and it was it was a very it's kind of like echoes in the back of my mind every time we're about to do something like, is this true to who we are as people? Because now um, our Instagram and our website is is full of character and personality. And that's just a reflection of us. So that was the main takeaway I got from the incubator. Excellent. It seems like you guys nailed that. If there's one word that you want Rebel Coast Winery associated with it, what is it? Fun. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I, would, I would guess that too. Your website's incredible. It, it reflects you guys' personality, but also your experience and then honoring the legacy of your knowledge being passed from winemaker to winemaker to winemaker. You guys didn't just jump into the business, um, figure out, try to figure out wine and cannabis at the same time. You really have done your homework and there's no wonder you've got so much interest. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's, it's a wild ride. I never thought I'd be here today. So Chip, what difficulty did you have getting started? I mean, and, and what, what current regulatory uh, problems do you have and what issues are, are the biggest facing your, your business? Oh man, that one's tough. Um, I'm sure a lot of people you've interviewed have had a myriad, like a ton of different difficulties. Our, our biggest one, I always was confident that we'd be able to mad scientist a product that tasted good. So mm -hmm. that, that wasn't really our biggest thing. And it's it really is the regulatory environment like we it's hard to make something us try to assume what the laws are decide if the risk of breaking the laws that haven't been made if we make the wrong decision is worth it and then if we can defend ourselves in um you know being like look we're trying to do the best we can can the you know, local regulatory agencies work with us on that and that's really where we lean on our legal counsel um they, uh, it's, we work with Vicente Cedarberg, they're the largest marijuana law firm in America. Um, and I'm on the phone with them. Uh, me and Alex are on the phone with them at least once a day. Um, so they're, they, they, the undertaking that they took with us was, we knew it would be a long, hard road and they've been fantastic partners to work with on it. 
in all the states that you're in, you're in 36, which is the most favorable business climate for you when you do, when you are able to expand uh, uh, so across the 50? That's kind of a misleading thing. So our traditional wine is in 36 states. Um, okay. For, for the wine with alcohol in it, that's the right. winery I've been running for the last couple of years. But for marijuana-infused wine, we cannot cross California state lines. So we can only sell that, and we can't sell it to – You're not. the reason we had to remove the alcohol is because you're not allowed to sell marijuana where alcohol or tobacco are sold. You're not allowed to sell marijuana mixed with alcohol or tobacco. That's why nobody can make pre-rolled spliffs. Um, and so that's why we had to remove the alcohol. So because of that, uh, our – all the relationships we have with our alcohol distributors in these 36 different states, and mainly here in California, they can't touch marijuana. So we had to build whole new relationships with whole new sales chains, um, and our new distributor here in California, who is again, like they're still going through all the processes of getting licensed and closing on their warehouses and stuff. So every like every single day, we're putting out fires and problem solving, not only on the production side of things, but also on the distribution side. Um, and right now, funny enough, our biggest, you know, as of today, we're, we're, we're solving it you know, in the next couple of weeks. Um, our biggest problem is child resistance testing for a bottle of wine with a cork in it. And it sounds hysterical. And I never would have thought that a bottle of alcohol wasn't child resistant, had never been tested for child resistance. But something that we found out a couple days ago and now we have to um, get like a hundred three and a quarter year old children to try and open up a bottle of wine with a wine with a corkscrew which they can't do like i mean it's hard enough for a lot of adults to do it Um, i was gonna say i have difficulty yes yeah i mean it's 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 a it's a foreign thing and you know they don't teach you that in college but it's it's just like wait that's a real thing and and we have to do that and get these tests done (laughs) And they're like, yeah, nobody's ever done it on a bottle of wine before. It's like, okay, cool. I guess we're going to go down that road. So today that's our biggest hurdle to overcome is setting up the testings. And once that happens, do you feel like that's where the, you know, you, you got a, a reasonable amount of R&D that needs to be done there um, as, as ridiculous as it sounds. I mean, do you worry that they might change that and go, oh, treat it like regular wine? I mean, if they do, that'd be great because regular wine doesn't have to be child resistant tested. Um, it's regulated by two. Regular wine is regulated by the ABC, the Alcohol Beverage Control Board. And what we're making, since there's no alcohol in it, is regulated by the FDA. So it's considered like a juice in their mind. So it'd be two different regulatory agencies flip flopping. I don't see that happening, no. Gotcha. All I right, wish guys, they would. It would make life easy, but no. <laughs> Well, I hope they do. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll be rejoined by Chip Forsyth, who is the founder of Rebel Coast Winery. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. At Alternative Vibes, our core values of quality, loyalty, respect, and honesty guides us in our mission to help families find peace and harmony through our products and services. Whether you are looking for a more natural way of living, shopping essential oils, topicals, and edibles, or searching for a path towards achieving your goals, we are your choice. Learn more about our complete line of natural products and solutions at AlternativeVibes.com. Bringing quality of living to life. AlternativeVibes.com. Cannabis concentrates have been around for hundreds of centuries. In 19th century America, extracts mixed with other herbs were sold as a miracle cure. Now, Apex Supercritical has elevated the science of extraction into the 21st century. Apex Supercritical is the leader in CO2 extraction, which is the cleanest, safest, and purest way to extract plant oils. ROI in as little as three weeks. Our cost-effective systems are fully automated with an industry-leading three-year warranty. And if we don't have your system in stock, we can build one in as little as four weeks. Bringing CO2 extraction to the masses. Learn more at apeksupercritical.com. Four-week build excludes high production systems. Ignite the conversation on some trending topics along the Cannabis Radio social media network. Join our crew of thousands on our Cannabis Radio page on Facebook or at Canna Radio, C-A-N-N-A Radio on Twitter. 
Plus, look for our Facebook and Google Plus pages for all of our original programs and connect with Dr. Dina, Kyle Cushman, Dr. Mitch Earlywine, Nurse Heather, Doc Rob, the hosts of Gondrepreneur, and more. Connect with the growing Cannabis Radio Social Crusade at Canna Radio on Twitter or search for Cannabis Radio on Facebook, Google Plus, and Instagram and grow with us. I hope you didn't forget about us because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back to Blunt Business. I'm your host, Sean Eubanks, Vice President of Business Development with Strainwise Consulting. On our show today, we have been talking to Chip Forsyth of Rebel Coast Winery. Chip, welcome back. Yeah, thank you. All right. So again, I, I, I think there are people listening to this right now thinking, oh my gosh, how do I get my hands on some cannabis infused wine? Uh, on your website here, you've got a pre-order button uh, for the Sauvignon Blanc. But um, tell me about that process and sort of the challenges with legalization that you're running into with that. Yeah, so we can't, because we're still waiting for the regulations to be finalized, we can't legally sell, and this is happening for almost everybody in the marijuana space on the recreational side. You had one set of licenses governing medical side and a whole new set of regulations and licenses governing the recreational side. So for us to offer our uh, marijuana-infused Sauvignon Blanc online for online sales, which is a gnarly concept, like 10 years ago, you would never have considered being able to sell marijuana, anything online. Um, but for us to do that, we have to, because it's federally illegal to do banking in this, which includes credit card transactions, we have to use an out-of-the-country credit card merchant processor and because it's out of the country when people try to purchase our wine online or pre-order it we have about a 40 percent fail rate on people's credit cards which is really frustrating for not only me because we've lost out on hundreds of thousands of dollars of people trying to purchase this but frustrating for someone like going on something finding something you like like in the day of amazon which i love not being able to push a button and get it shipped to your door in two days is is, is kind of the norm. And um, it's, it's a huge headache for us. We, we field phone calls and emails every day about people frustrated about, about not being able to get their credit cards through because most merchant process, most, most banks, mainly Chase, views out-of-the-country transactions as fraudulent. So it just stops the transaction from even happening. Gotcha. So you need the end of prohibition federally to solve that problem for you as far as you can see. Yeah, or a merchant processor that'll charge credit cards in America that will, they're considered high risk uh, transactions. So somebody that will be willing to do that. And there are companies out there, the, um, it just takes a while to get approved with them because you are selling marijuana online. and. They have to make sure that you're not selling out of the state. You have to make sure that you're licensed. Um, it's just, it's a brand new idea. I mean, seriously, like who would have thought you could do this even five years ago? Uh, so it's exciting, but it's also everything is getting built as we speak. And what do you see going forward that is uh, that could be most helpful? I mean, obviously, federalization is going to take um a lot of work. Recently with Jeff Sessions, Attorney General Jeff Sessions, rescinding the, the, the Cole memo, that sent some shockwaves. We had a couple of people in Massachusetts pull out uh, some processors and otherwise that, that directly affected banking and, 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 and directly affected the retail customer. Um, is there any middle ground that you see uh, or do you, do you know of any companies out there that are, that are starting to work on this to help you out there in California? In, as, as far as banking goes, you can bank with a state-chartered bank or credit union if they're like a small local one that's not federally insured. So Chase Bank of America and Wells Fargo won't touch this because the federal government insures all their savings. State-chartered uh, banks and credit unions are not insured by the federal government, so they're only under state laws. So banking on the state side's not been an issue for us. Um, we've got a great partnership there. Um, things that would change that would make our lives a lot easier. I, I hate to say it, but just time. If we could fast forward six months into the future uh, 
and have all these rules and regulations out there in the open. They say what you need, you know, tell you what you need to do. You follow the rules, and then you can build a business and a brand. Um, that would be the that would be the dream. Well, and another thing you're doing, Chip, you're you're a de facto uh, ambassador for cannabis for the FDA now. I mean, you're interacting with the FDA because you're regulated as a as a grapefruit or as a food there as as that. Are, are is the FDA telling you? Are they giving you? props for the type of extraction method are they involved and concerned with how you're extracting how you're infusing are they are they regulating that part of your business yeah and, it, and it's we're following all the rules um, for them one of the things that they're the most excited about is that we're using really low dosages of THC we're not um, like I said this is four milligrams a glass this isn't we're not trying to make something that's 40 milligrams a glass um, and, and really, so the, the change in the way people, the amount people are consuming at different intervals, like how often they're consuming it, is something that the FDA's really like, they're happy to see because they just, there were, there were you know, uh, I guess chocolate bars and like Rice Krispie treats that were like a thousand milligrams in a, in a Rice Krispie treat or chocolate bar. And that's insane to think about, like. Um, that's not for your average social consumer at all. Like that's an actual medical, you know, the health sound and the medical, uh, that has medical issues that need to be addressed by THC and CBD. So yeah, the, the FDA is really stoked on the approach we're taking on this. Um, and I think we're leading the charge on how people are going to be consuming cannabis in the next 50 years. Now, as the cannabis consumer is different and as they become you're first of all, you're reaching across to the general consumer, which is incredible. It's incredible for the industry. It's going to bring people to cannabis. And when they discover cannabis one way or another, most people are going to benefit it from it in some way. Do you anticipate, Chip, that the cannabis consumer is going to come back to you and say, hey, I want something strain specific or I at least want to know that this is an indica or sativa or maybe even a percentage of a hybrid? Do you anticipate that getting feedback from the retail customer that puts pressure on you to, to uh, produce in a different way? Absolutely. Um, it's like there's, there's vodka, there's gin, there's tequila, there's beer, and then there's wine. Um, each has a different role in a social interaction. Each has a rich, different ritual behind it. Um, and cannabis is no different. Like indicas have a whole different effect on you than sativas and then do hybrids. So people's desires on what they want out of this, like we're here to make people happy. Um, and for a white wine, we use 100% sativa um, to infuse it with. And that's because... It's a white wine. It's fun. It's the sativas are really sunny, energetic, like happy, giggly, high, um, opposed to an indica, which we'll probably do in a red wine when we launch that in the next eight or nine months, um, where that'll be like something that'll be more relaxing and toned down. Um, great to listen to music to on a date night or something like that. Well, and I think what's also beautiful about what you've done, Chip, is you've you've taken wine which people are familiar with. They understand uh, the different bridles and how that's going to affect them and, and what, what they're going to taste like, uh, so, which is wonderful because the other people in the cannabis side of things are going into – you see a lot of terpene development, uh, cannabinoids being added back in uh, to, to try to handle taste and flavor – and try to perfect that. And, and what I'm seeing as a trend is, you know, these guys are starting to go, you know what, we're not going to go with OG Kush or have someone try to seek out, you know, a, a soccer mom's not going to seek out the taste of green crack, but you know what, they'll be familiar with a vanilla or a blueberry. So they're infusing those terpenes back into it to try to make cannabis taste better. But you guys have already got all of the wine fans who are already familiar. It's, I mean, you're, you're really ahead of the game here. Well, that I, I didn't mention that when we were when we were first creating this product. So, when I was making this in college, um, the traditional way of just adding flour to traditional wine, the end product was uh, wine that smelled like wine or that tasted like wine and smelled like cannabis. Um, and so, when we were creating this, when we were first, there's there was no rule book. Like in my head, weed wine smells like weed and tastes like wine. So right. I became an 
absolute expert in terpene extractions and hydrosol extractions and essential oil extractions from the cannabis plant, and then created a wine that smelled like green, fresh bud, and it tasted like wine. And we gave it to everybody. We did you know tasting trials and stuff like that to see if I was right on. And it turns out nobody wanted a wine that smelled like stinky fucking weed. <laughs> it was just like it was just a tremendous amount of pushback on that. And we're like, fine, like we'll make it to smell like wine and taste like wine and just intoxicate with THC. And that was when we really, we really kind of hit a home run. People were very, very impressed with it and very happy with it. Wonderful. Chip, we're, we're almost out of time here. Let's go through a couple of your wines. Number one, you state and, and you guys, your philosophy is to create one wine at a time. You're not uh, involved five or six or 10 or more, but you've developed a lot of products here. Tell me which, which wines I can purchase from you. So on the traditional wine side, it's taken five years and we've created five different wines for that. So we have two red wines, two white wines and a rosé. Um, and they're all in my opinion, like fantastic. It took years to do that, to expand the group growth that way. Uh, but I'm pretty sure your listeners are probably more excited about the marijuana wine. So for 2018, we're only doing one Sauvignon Blanc. We're focusing on that. It's very hard to make um, anything else. Like It's very hard to do two, two wines at the same time or successfully get them into people's hands. Um, doing two wines. So we're just focused on Sauvignon Blanc for the marijuana side. But uh, Reckless Love is my favorite red wine that we make. I've got a big handlebar mustache. I put it on the bottle as a joke four years ago, and, uh, and it, just, it just took off. Mustaches became super cool all of a sudden, and, uh, and it's a pretty memorable wine bottle. Outstanding. Yeah, I, I invite all our listeners to go to your website, rebelcoast.com. Chip, it has been uh, just a great time having you on the show. Thank you so much, first of all, for doing everything you're doing for the industry. You're reaching across to the general consumer, which is what the industry needs. You've got a phenomenal pro- uh, product. I just I, I wish you the best of luck with investors and everything you've got going on. Yeah, absolutely. And um, if anybody is, like on the investor side, if anybody is incredibly excited and interested about this, um, they can just shoot me an email. My email is chip at rebelcoast.com. Um, and we'll sit down, have a glass of wine, and see if it's the right fit. Sounds great. Guys, and we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll be rejoined, uh, joined by Jay Kotzker. We are going to talk about the high five talking points, including recreational dispensaries boosting nearby home prices, New Jersey's sworn in new governor, Phil Murphy, who is an advocate and fan of cannabis. Also, we're going to talk about 20 state attorneys and their responses to uh, Representative Ed Perlmutter's uh, marijuana banking bill. Don't go away, guys. We'll be right back. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Strainwise Consulting is the most sought-after consulting company for cannabis business applications and management contracts. We consulted on the first recreational license in the world and have had an over 95% success rate on applications submitted. The industry is growing at such an exponential rate that building a powerful and lasting cannabis business is a number one priority. Here's Strainwise's Sean Eubanks. In our first five years, we branded and supported nine medical and recreational marijuana dispensaries and a approximately 160,000 square feet of sophisticated and efficient product cultivation. Strainwise Consulting has the experience and expertise to guide you through the process. Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, avid snowboarder, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient. Living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every day. Medical marijuana is my last resort, and it helps me when all other drugs have failed. If you'd like more information about medical marijuana, you can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at mpp.org or call 1-877-JOIN-MPP. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone gonna make you say wow The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little your empire grows large Put the big celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is Hemping, that's the point Download and play while you light yourself a joint 
Your business and cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. I hope you didn't forget about us, because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Blunt Business. I'm your host, Sean Eubanks, Vice President of Business Development with Strainwise Consulting. And now we have our high five talking point segment with attorney Jay Cosker. Jay, welcome back. Thanks, Sean. So, so much going on in the cannabis industry right now. First and foremost, we have recreational dispensaries are boosting home prices. Yeah, it's uh, not something that you would expect to see in a headline or a study, but um, a real estate professor at the University of Georgia, James Conklin, uh, recently co-authored a paper called Contact High, The External Effects of Retail Marijuana Establishment on Home Prices, a uh, very localized study looking at some specific areas of Denver. Um, specifically, what they were looking at was places that had medical marijuana dispensaries previously, once recreational um, sales became legal in 2014, what effect did that have on home prices? And what they found was in those areas that were a tenth of a mile from the dispensary, the home prices actually increased 8% more than, than places further out um, from the tenth of a mile. So it's, it's a surprising um, result in a study, and it's not the only study in the country that, that has looked at the effect of um, dispensaries on home prices. Um, they all generally conclude that home prices do increase, but this was um, kind of in our backyard and very localized and uh, had some very good data associated with it. Well, it's just incredible and it's unexpected. It's, it's, it's certainly not required. You wouldn't think that, you know, a lot of people will draw parallels between a dispensary and maybe uh, an alcohol store. I know alcohol stores, liquor stores tend to just blend in, right, because we're so used to seeing them. Um, but it would be OK if if it didn't raise home values. Yeah, I mean, it would. I mean, it's just interesting. I think what it goes to show you is that, um, you know, one, the heightened security of a dispensary, Mm -hmm. um, the the demand for labor coming into the market to work at a dispensary, and some of the ancillary businesses that open up around dispensary are attracting people to that area. Yeah, that's just incredible. I, I love to see that. Um, the security of it, the idea also that a lot of these dispensaries are just good looking. They are. I mean, it's certainly not the 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 typical dispensary that you would see in a, you know in a TV show or a movie that's got um, you know the, the blinking neon signs that have a green cross or a marijuana leaf in them. But people are really spending time and resources to make their dispensaries high end, first and you know consumer attractive points. Something else I find fascinating, uh, just being a fan of real estate in general, is you've got other businesses popping up wanting to be around dispensaries, which is again, you could if the opposite was true, you wouldn't you would it wouldn't be that big of a deal. That's right. I mean, you have dispensaries that are seeing hundreds and hundreds of patients a day. Um, or customers a day, so you're you're generally going to have people parking, walking to the dispensary, and you know as a resulting uh, possibility, people visiting the the stores around them, right? So people are moving in, and they don't just want a Seven Eleven or a pizza joint next door. People are looking for other high end places. Um, we're talking about. Um, you were just talking with a, a wine developer, right? Mm-hmm. So you're talking about, you know, people who are, are consuming cannabis that are, are more high scale and they're looking for, you know, comparatively high scale, you know, businesses around the dispensary as well. Do you anticipate, you know, Denver is allowed public consumption now, uh, one of the few states to do that. Do you anticipate people that also surprising folks thinking, wow, this isn't that bad. There's consumption going on inside there, kind of like a hookah shop or, or, or along those lines. Uh, do you anticipate maybe that being having a positive impact too? It could. I mean, we'll see the way that the city of Denver has zoned and set back the the available locations. Um, it's going to lead them to be housed in places that are, are right now maybe a little bit more undesirable. But mm-hmm. hopefully what we'll see is that they, you know, revitalize the neighborhood that they're they're built in and, you know, bring in and attract other businesses as well. And, you know, it's interesting. It seems to be this battle of PR, right? You'll read one report uh, that talks about the opioid-related deaths going down in Colorado. You'll talk about the DWIs going down. You'll talk about the violent crime rates going down. And people might wonder, question the source, things like that. There's a lot of distrust uh, in general. But is, are there, is there anyone anywhere outside of Colorado where real estate prices are being affected also? I mean, I don't, I don't know. The, the two studies that I saw were both focused on Colorado. 
Um, I would be very curious to see what, for example, it's going to do to real estate prices in California, in Nevada, other places that have, you know, adult use programs. Uh, it'll just take some more research and, uh, you know, some more time and, and effort on the part of researchers and professors that are looking closely at it. But we'll keep an eye on it. Well, and of course, we're talking about re- recreational or, or excuse me, residential real estate. So we're talking about the end user, the actual co- people in the community benefiting from higher prices. But we know in California and you working with clients there, understanding that the on the commercial side, everybody's benefiting. The landlords there are certainly making a lot of money off of cannabis entrepreneurs. Absolutely. I mean, you can't really have a comparable for a, a dispensary that's not another dispensary right because the the real estate rates the you know the price per square foot is astronomically more for a cannabis business than it is for another business but you know like the rising tides will you know raise all ships it's going to ultimately you know increase the property values of the the businesses around them and thereby increasing probably the the commercial real estate rents well and you have an outstanding real estate team that you direct in the state of California and it's just not uncommon I think people no one's shocked and it's a generally uh, accepted to say there's a marijuana premium associated with this property everyone says marijuana premium oh for sure that's a, a common phrase in the industry all right. Well, okay, moving on to New Jersey now. Governor Phil Murphy was sworn in. That's right. That's right. We've been um, looking forward to this for some time since the election back in November. Um, he's also um, very, very pro-cannabis and has you know, made it a point to say that he was going to bring uh, adult use legalization to the state uh, as, as quickly as he could. He, he you know, promised it in the first hundred days, obviously going working through the legislature that could take a little bit longer, but um, the momentum is there. Okay, so uh, some estimates say that New Jersey will be provided with additional three hundred million in revenue. Right, and that's and that's the estimate is is by twenty twenty. So we're not looking at a really long forecasted revenue generator. Um, this is relatively early, um, you know. And you're talking about a state that's got um, you know a significant you know pension obligations through the state. It's got public sector needs. It's got already you know astronomically high property and you know income tax rates. So they need something to to, to you know to supplement that revenue. And the new tax bill coming in punishes New Jersey and other blue states with assault uh, tax there. Uh, so they're going to need that. What a what an uh, unbelievable turn of events with a long reign of Governor Christie. He's gone immediately. Phil Murphy essentially wins the nomination by saying cannabis legal in a hundred days. That's right. That's right. And it, it has helped, too. I think we mentioned um, on a previous show that he hired the, the head of an industry trade group, the New Jersey uh, Cannabis Industry Association, Pete uh, Camerano, as mm-hmm. his chief of staff. Um, so he's surrounding himself by people that are pro-cannabis and that you know understand the value that cannabis can bring to the community and the state. What's interesting is that we've, we've seen a, a quick rush by um, Governor Cuomo in New York now mm-hmm. seeing yes. what's going on in states around him. Um, to say, hey, we're going to take a, a little bit closer look at adult legalization um, just because I'm sure they're fearful of losing some of that tax revenue to New Jersey. Well, not only they know it, but consumers do too and, and potential business owners. Uh, we've got a flood of clients calling in right now, wanting to be clients, wanting to work with us uh, for that exact point. In New Jersey, they're excited about the lack of progress in New York. Massachusetts, they're also excited about the fact that, especially on the western side of the state, all of that traffic's going to come over and those consumers from New York. So this has been wonderful in the spirit of competition to see if New York can get its act together. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's become very interesting to look at that part of the country. New England in general already has three states that have allowed adult use, which is you know, a pretty high concentration. Those are all relatively small states close together. So you've got residents in other states that are able to move around, uh, travel to other states where adult use is legal to purchase their product. And I think that the states that are not on the adult use wagon are going to quickly see that they they need to. Now, there is some resistance there in New Jersey. Where do you think that's coming from? Uh, I think it's the the same resistance that you see in other places. I mean, you have um, religious organizations, you have um, administrators in schools, and and these are not things to be taken lightly. There are certainly concerns there. I think what they will, will come to find is that with adult legalization, as we've seen in Colorado, teen use tends to drop. Um, it just isn't cool anymore for teens to use a product that is so readily available. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, and and so some of those fears are are unfounded. Um, But at the same time, I think it's an opportunity for, you know, state regulators and industry group participants to sit down and have a working dialogue with those groups and assuage any of those fears. 
Excellent. Okay. A byproduct, if you will, of Attorney General Jeff Sessions rescinding the Cole memo. You have 20 state attorneys now, uh, attorney generals that are backing Colorado Representative Ed Perlmutter's marijuana banking bill, Secure and Fair Enforcement of Banking Act. Right. It's called the SAFE Act. And Mm -hmm. um, what it does is, you know, with the rescission of the Cole memo, there are also other memos that were directed to U.S. banking institutions. that basically, you know, took off the table some of the protections they were going to get provided that they, you know, they met certain safeguards and account management practices. And so as a result, you've seen kind of a pullback from banking institutions from wanting to work with cannabis businesses. Um, This bill would allow the banks to serve the marijuana industry without fear of penalties from the federal government. I think we can understand that in a a multi-billion dollar industry, um, forcing people to use cash or to use, you know, methods outside of the normal banking system is causing significant problems. So this is the moment for the marijuana industry, is it not? I mean, we haven't seen a lot of media coverage of it. I know there's a lot to go on, but I'm just surprised everyone's everyone's not seizing on this as the big thing. Do you think they're trying to just quietly hope it goes through and it happens? Uh, Because this is this is a watershed moment for the industry. It is. And it's, you know, this is not a new bill. This is something that's that they've been um, working on for some time. I think what you've seen, though, is since the rescission of the Cole memo, you've got um, a number of state attorneys general um, getting on board. You've got seven of eight from the recreational states around the country that are on board, um, including Cynthia Kaufman, who is also running for governor here in Colorado. Um, And it's got 64 legislative co-sponsors. So you're seeing a lot of industry support. You're seeing a lot of support in, in legislative circles, and I think it's uh, it's a good good move forward. Outstanding. Well, we are going to conclude this uh, segment of BluntBusinessRadio.com. I want to thank you all for joining us. You can continue with this coverage with Jay Kosker. We're going we're to get into several other topics uh, on our YouTube channel, StrainWiseConsulting.com. We're going to talk about uh, the spending bill update, Oklahoma vote on marijuana in June, a lot of things. But I want to thank you all for joining us on this segment of our podcast. You can download episodes of our program by going to CannabisRadio.com, BluntBusinessRadio.com, and now on iTunes and iHeartRadio. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you later this week. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.